Back on a Monday, you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Ooh, my levels are a little rusty, toasty. Uh, to be here with the applause. <laughs> I know it's overwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, the title of today's show is "Why Did This Member Quit Taxi?" With Dave Croft. How are you, Dave? I am doing so well, Michael. It's so good to to talk to you again, and I really and sincerely appreciate you having me on the show. Well, I'm excited to have you. I, I've seen your videos and know that you're quite articulate and well reasoned, and I like having well reasoned, intelligent people on the show. Um, so Dave did quit taxi and we're going to find out why in a little while. Um, but first let me read you Dave's bio before I ask him why, you know what? I should open the chat room. I, yeah, I need to see those people in the chat room. Pop out chat. There we are. Okay. The chat is now open. Wow, a lot of activity in the chat room today. Oh, yeah, I told all the folks over at, at the community about it. And so, uh, hello, everybody. Hughes <laughs> <Jews> family. <laughs> oh, dear gosh. Pop out chat. Okay, let's do that one more time. <laughs> there we go. Okay. This I can get rid of. And that I can bring up. Ah, oh, yes, I love producing, engineering my own show at the same time. <laughs> Live TV. Okay. Do I, anyway. do I understand that or what? Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Let me read you uh, Dave's bio so you know who I'm actually speaking with today. Dave Croft is a composer, educator, YouTuber, podcaster, and host of the popular production music community 52Qs.com. His credits include ABC, Netflix, Sony, Amazon, the NFL Today, the NFL on CBS, SEC Football, the Masters Tournament, NCAA March Madness, woohoo, the PGA, even better, NFL Network, Golf Channel, Fox Sports, ESPN, Showtime, Disney, Discovery, Animal Planet, OWN, or OWN as I like to call it, mm -hmm. TLC, the History Channel, USA Network, TBS, E. Bravo, TNT, True TV, Oxygen, Science Channel, Investigation, Discovery, Nick, and TFX France. Dave holds a Master's of Music and has over 20 years of teaching experience around the U.S. as well as Europe. He's taught clinics, master classes, lessons, and classroom lectures, and is currently a professor of music and composition at Full Sail University in beautiful Winter Park, Florida. He's a member of CSEC. I want to ask you about that in a while. Uh, sure, and, and the Production Music Association is a former member of ASCAP, um, former member of Taxi. I can throw in there now. Yeah, I, I should add that to my bio. I'll Please do don't. I'll do that right now. <laughs> the Percussive Arts Society, uh, International Association of Jazz Educators and Music Educators National Conference. I also want to add that you should take a look at his IMDB page to see a bunch of his credits. I, I looked at it. I can't remember if it was Friday, Saturday. It's several feet long, and as Dave says, they left a lot of the sports stuff out. Well, yeah, they do. I was I looked at I looked at my placements just this morning, and there's like a collegiate lacrosse and uh, like those kind of things really don't make it onto IMDb. You know, yeah. a lot of live sports actually doesn't make it on. The big ones do, like the Super Bowl and AFC. You know why? Kind of I can tell you why the live sports don't make it on there. It's because it's ephemeral. You get paid right. different. It's here one minute, gone the next. That's why they don't. I don't think they even file cue sheets for those. 
they do file cue sheets. Interesting. Um, at least you know for my PRO and everything. Yeah, but uh, but uh, there have been times when when I've gone in and added those IMDb credits. Like, okay, I know I got placement at like uh, Cincinnati Bengals at Tennessee Titans, right? And so that that doesn't show up. Or if I get like, right. the rugby national championship or professional bull riding, all that all that live sports. You're right. It's totally ephemeral, which which. Is, is good on one hand because there's a lot of eyeballs watching it. Like there's a lot of people watching the NCAA tournament, but I make, you know, similar type of royalties off of like an episode of Temptation Island. Yeah. Right? Because those shows get rerun and, and the cue sheets and everything. But, but yeah, so there are a lot of IMDb credits that aren't on there because they just, those entries don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And with sports, there's local sports, regional sports, you know, uh, Fox Sports, West Coast, Fox Sports, East yeah. Coast. It's too hard to understand. Yeah, um, a lot of TV. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome again. Thanks for taking the time Thank to you. do this Thank with you so me. Much for having me. Uh, yes, let's get right to the heart of the matter, because I'm sure that you and I can burn through 90 minutes together. <laughs> no problemo. Um, how long were you a taxi member? I joined Taxi mid-2016. It was right, you know, uh, when I hit the gas on my production music career. Um, I had signed with uh, another library that, that um, was publishing to CBS Sports. And, um, and I knew I needed more, like I had all my irons in one fire, right? All my eggs, whatever metaphor you want to use, <laughs> I had all my eggs in one basket. And I knew as much as, as, as that was being successful for me i knew i needed to diversify and i thought the the best and most direct way to do that would be through taxi which i've kind of followed for a long time and you know um from the old website to the new website and all of that so i finally joined in 2016 as a deliberate effort to broaden my my uh, publisher publisher base um and then that ran pretty much concurrently up through um january of 2022 uh, so okay. I guess six years or so, and I, I did dispatch for a couple of years, and um, and so yeah, a good six-year stint. And uh, and I'll say on the front end, I am not the most prolific taxiist, taxi, taxi, uh, <laughs> taxi uh, driver, passenger, passenger, <laughs> passenger. Taxi, there passenger. You uh, I know there are folks that just will just pour cues into the system, but because I I was looking for a way and the best, most direct way to diversify my portfolio. A taxi was was that avenue for me. Great. Well, I'm glad that you were a member for six years. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Sorry to see you go, but um, you know. Well, I have very good reasons, and it's not for any nefarious kind of like, oh, I'm so unhappy, you know. And we can get into that, but uh, but yeah, I'm happy to share that story. Absolutely. Um, did you create and pitch mostly instrumental cues, or or any songs in there at all? Uh, ex almost exclusively, yeah, exclusively instrumental cues. I don't think I had anything with vocal. I'm trying to remember if there was a, a jingle that I did. Um, but no, I think it was all instrumental, all instrumental okay. stuff. Um, that would be my preference. If I were um, talented that way, if I had talented fingers, I would go the instrumental route. As I've said many times on, on Taxi TV and on stage at the Road Rally, uh, it's a great way to earn a living. It doesn't you know, it won't blast you into the financial stratosphere in the first year, it takes five or more. But it's like painting houses by day and painting portraits at night. If you're like, oh, but I do records, I wanna do my grand opus. 
Well, great, nobody's stopping you, but wouldn't you rather get really fast on your DAW and learn your sounds and get your studio just totally, you know, dialed in um, and, and, and earn an income by doing that? So I, yeah, I, I'm a yeah. fan of instrumental cues. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that I talk about all the time, whether it's on my channel or in the community, is the artisan mentality. And that's the approach that I take, you know, and I've said, like, controversially that what I'm doing isn't art. It's artistic and it needs to have be, you know, it needs to have a good high quality using great sounds and all of that. But let, let, let's maintain perspective of what a lot of this library music is going to be. It's going to be underneath a highlight you know, at, at just like maybe 10 dB, you know, yeah. underneath dialogue and sound effects. And it's, or it's going to be underneath, you know, a cooking show and then a countdown. It needs to sound great, but it doesn't need to be out in front. It doesn't need to like be the jangly keys trying to grab your attention. It needs to sit in the background. And so the artisan in me says, okay, I'm, I'm making a product that I need to deliver that I want to give someone so that they can use it and ultimately help someone else tell their story in a better way. But if I've done my job right, I blend in the, into the background the same way yeah. the costumes do, or the lighting, or the makeup. Absolutely. If you if you, if you notice the makeup in, in a TV show, then someone somewhere has dropped the ball, unless it's a deliberate thing. And the same with writing. So um, I'm, I'm a part of the team. We're all rowing together in the same boat. Um, but my, my music is not the most important thing going on in, in, in any type of show. You're absolutely right. The, the makeup and costume, what a great analogy, although I will admit to sitting next to my wife on the couch watching Downton Abbey till three in the morning, many nights going, look at that dress. But I grew up in a family-owned retail, you know, like, so right. I really, I'm into women's dresses, but not in right. that way. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and, 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 and yeah, you should, and people win Oscars for costumes, as they yeah. should. They win Oscars for the music, but if you notice it, then the costume designer hasn't, like, if in, in a bad way, like, oh, right. like, if you're watching something and you notice a plot hole and you're like, oh, that's, that's a plot hole, then the writer, has 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 dropped the ball somewhere and so musically if my music stands out if somebody like oh i've noticed the music and it wasn't the creative choice to to your music be out in front then you're not doing your job as a composer as a production music composer specifically that's right uh and, and frankly you could say that sometimes about score but then mm -hmm. there are also times where uh, you know music is important to the story and the lyric is important. But that, that's a whole other. We could do a whole show on that. But yeah, I know, a whole other for other instrumental yeah. instrumental music, you're right. Ninety five percent of the time or more, it's there to bolster an emotion, to create a feeling, an ambiance, yeah. all that stuff. But it's not there to be the star. But it I mean, will everybody thinks. Yeah, everybody knows, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, E.T. Right. flying across the moon. That's amazing. I get chills just thinking about it. Maestro John Williams, happy birthday, happy 90th. But <laughs> what about what about the, the 70 minutes of incidental music yeah. that, that just is there to support the scene, right? That That's not what you remember. That is serving the purpose of, of telling the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any success with Taxi during the years you remember? I, I really, I really did. Absolutely. There are, um, I, I got, uh, I got, I, and I pull, pulled up some numbers, just Michael pulled up some numbers. Thank I joined you. in uh, 2016 and I only made 80 submissions, which I know that is on the low side of submissions. 80 submissions uh, my, during the entire six years? During the entire six years. Yeah, that's low. And 
and I and, and, and I know that and I recognize that and so I'm not going to come at you with like I only got X number of percentage <laughs> forwards or anything like that because I oh, know oh come on I dare you <laughs> in, in order like in order to, to have a seat at the table you got or, or it's like buying more lottery tickets right ultimately like there's an element of I don't want to say luck or chance but it's a competition you are in competition with other composers the more races you run the better your odds are of winning one i like that i like that way it sounds a little bit less like gambling so right. um so uh, 80 submissions i have 53 forwards and 27 returns and those 27 returns I, I went today i looked back and almost all to a number all of those returns were i it was too long or it wasn't right, like I didn't write to the brief. I just wrote something that I had in my catalog. I, oh, I'm gonna spend $5 on this and send it along. And if I'm honest with myself, and once I get my get my ego out of the way of like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, the <laughs> screener. Once I got that out of the way, I'm like, mm, I think they're right. I tried to sneak it under the radar, like Indiana Jones hat pulling underneath the door style. And it just wasn't <laughs> gonna work. But the forwards were when I saw the brief, read the brief and nailed and wrote to the brief. Yeah. And so um, and there are three libraries. I got I got a total of four placements, right? Okay. Four uh, not placements. I'm sorry. Um, 50 forwards, four deals. OK. And three of those deals were uh, with libraries and two of those I work with to this day. And I got those libraries in 2018. OK. One of those libraries, um, I, I kind of send something off and um, and nothing really kind of came out of it. And that, that happens. But the fourth library actually wasn't through a taxi forward, but was through a relationship that um, that that happened through the forums. I had uh, I, somebody out in San Antonio, Larry McGee, right? He's a like a dobro. He, he plays fiddle. And I was just posting my uh, my cues up on the peer to peer forum, which is worth its weight in gold. It's absolutely if you want, like, really honest feedback from the veterans who have done it. That's what that's what really helped me putting stuff on the peer-to-peer. -peer. Larry, here's my stuff. He's like, I have a, a library who is looking for epic Americana music. You write epic music, I write Americana music, let's collaborate. <laughs> and so we did. And so we wrote a bunch of cues. And at that point, I was able to then reach out to the library and create the connection. And so I work with them to this day. You know, and and, and I'm, I'm sorry, Michael, you didn't see any of that. Movie. No, but, but we accomplished our created, goal was by having yeah. you in the taxi ecosystem and doing absolutely, you know, taxi, and you know, me well enough. I mean, we're not best buddies or anything, but I think you've watched enough taxi TV to know that mm -hmm. I'm constantly telling people do it all. Go to the rally, be active on the forum, be active in the chat room during taxi TV, meet other people, because what they do better than you is an asset to you and vice versa Absolutely. and that's a classic yeah. example yeah and so what what happened and why <laughs> what happened was because i knew i needed taxi to diversify my portfolio that means that i already had relationships that were that were pretty 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 hot and heavy i mm -hmm. just needed to diversify so um getting some taxi um taxi forwards and getting some 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 um some placements like you mentioned tfx france that was from a placement uh, directly from a taxi forward and mm. it's in france and the publisher is in switzerland and uh and we we reconnected just last month and he wants another album of music and again sorry michael you never saw a nickel beyond the 15 dollars that i spent right. to make those make those submissions but that's the deal that's the deal that, that you enter into and yeah. i think it's a, bar a bargain and 
I'm, I, again, I'm not like here to like preach to the choir here, but it absolutely <laughs> worked for me. But the reason I had to step back was because I couldn't keep up. And I realized like my last year, all of 2021, I did five submissions. Not because I, I didn't, not because I didn't think there were anything that were uh, any, any opportunities, which were good, tons of great opportunities. But I was just so busy that I couldn't write to those libraries. I had, you know, this library needs an album. This library needs three albums. This library needs this. Yeah. And so I just had, it was just, it was, to be honest, it was kind of a fiscal dis decision. But yeah. if, if, if that changes, if a library drops the ball and no longer wants, you know, they, I don't know, whatever, then I know Taxi's there and I'm going to jump back in. I'm going to subscribe and I'm going to start pitching and hopefully get another library relationship and get that off the ground. Uh, several months ago, I saw one of your videos. Um, I, I think you and I, I know that we met because you actually invited me to speak to your students at yeah. Full Sail some time ago. Yep. But I think I'd forgotten yeah. about that. Probably, you know, COVID kind of wiped my brain, I think. Yeah, it's been like four, four or five years. So yeah. It's been a while. Right, and there was COVID in the middle of that. So anyway, I saw one of your videos in which you said the taxi isn't just about getting a single piece of music forwarded and signed, but it's actually more about using Taxi to get introductions, which you just made the case for, um, and to publishers and music libraries and building relationships. Uh, and I know that almost every time you've ever mentioned Taxi, uh, you know, when you're doing stuff in 52 Qs, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, and, and you've mentioned it, uh, that you talk quite frequently about it with your students at Full Sail, um, the relationship thing. But you mentioned something the other day you said, I, I use taxi like a publicist. It's not just a matter of getting one thing in one person's hand and hoping that thing gets signed and that makes money. No. It, it's about how can I get introduced to these people? Taxi is my publicist. So do you want to, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, you absolutely. did just elaborate, it's, but. <laughs> no, no, I, I can absolutely unpack that. Um, because, you know, in this industry still, in the, in the modern era of internet and social media, and you don't have to live in LA to get your music on TV. I mean, I live in Orlando, you know, and I'm collaborating with somebody who lives in San Antonio and we're publishing music that, that gets placed in France. This is truly global, but yeah. relationships are still the currency of the business. And so if you're looking to create the relationship, then how, how do you get there? Now, it's true. You can, there are some other services you can subscribe to that will get you a, a laundry list of all the libraries. You could even Google it yourself and that's fine. You could go and do that. But let's, let's, let's look at that. Let, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. How much time would you spend looking for the libraries, A, that, are, that accept cold unsolicited submissions? Right, that's, that's research number one. Quality libraries. Quality libraries that aren't just vacuuming up everything so they can pat up their <laughs> library so they can hopefully pitch to somebody. Quality libraries that have active relationships with production companies. Yep. And at, at the end of the day, that are a fit for you. Like you write, you know, ukulele, happy, clappy glockenspiel music, but they're like dark tension trailer. Doesn't matter. They're not right. going to use your cues. Even if they do vacuum it up, they don't have the resources to actually place it. So there's all of that. And so you, you can go and Google that by yourself. Go for it, enjoy, enjoy your trip down Google lane. But the hours that you would spend doing that, I, I did the math the other day, and in the, the money that I spent in my six years at Taxi, uh, it, it, would, it would have cost me about 
$10 a week. Like if I like $10 a week that uh, and so if I did that's what maybe an hour at less than minimum wage. Right. Like, so you're talking work. about all your membership fees for the 6 years and all your submission fees worked out to $10 a week. To, to $10 a week as far as what the, the the value that it would so would I have spent less than 1 hour per week finding homes for my music. No. And so that's where the publicist idea comes in mind. That's where Taxi is an A&R service, not a direct A, B, I submit, it gets placement, I make royalties, and we all do a freeze frame, you know, jump in the air, Toyota <laughs> commercial. That's how old I am. I, I was gonna say, <laughs> there, there's a reference. <laughs> there's, it's the beard showing, the white and the beard showing right there. Um, but but uh, Taxi shortchanges that. Again, you can Google it, go for it, enjoy yourself. But for me, $10 a week is a steal to have someone vet these libraries, somebody find the libraries who are already in a receiving mentality to take my music. And yeah. the only thing that I have to do is A, make sure it's good, and B, make sure that it matches the brief. Because once I, once I stopped trying to like squeeze things in through, you know, essentially it's a little bit of laziness on my, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying for me, mm. I'm like, Hey, this might be a fit. So I'm going to try to squeeze it in and get rejected. I'm out $5 and I feel grumpy about it. No, that's not being honest with myself. But once I, I uh, cued into the brief, how to write to the brief, learning about production music structure and all of those nuts and bolts, the mechanics, then it's, it's free introductions. Now, ADQs, landing in uh, four libraries, I think those are pretty good good stats. If we're yeah. talking percentages, I think those are really good stats. And uh, two of those libraries, I have active relationships today, today that I, that I connected with in 2018 and 2019. And, and you'll so be making money from those for the next two, three, four decades. Absolutely. Pretty much as long as you're alive, that's, you know, as long as that stuff is somewhat evergreen and, and you know, doesn't fall off the there, tree. There's a that I wrote in 2018 that still nets me about 20 or 30 bucks a month, uh, a quarter. Now, is that going to pay my bills? No, but imagine if I have hundreds of those types of cues in the system and then the economics of scale kicks in. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the magic of this business, but it takes time. And if you, for me, what unlocked taxi and what made it like, wow, this is a no brainer for me was thinking about it as an A&R publicist. Cause I guarantee you, you are not going to get a publicist pitch your music for less than 10 bucks a week. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're just not. Um, going back to the numbers and how they pan out long term, uh, I wasn't planning on talking this about this, but it was literally sitting two feet from me on my desk. <laughs> this sheet was what I used on stage at a road rally, probably around 2016, 2017. We have a taxi member who's a certified financial planner and, and very much into the library side of things. And I called him up and said, you know, what if somebody made starting at the age of 35 started making um, instrumental cues and they did it until they retired at 65 and uh, let's say the first year they make a thousand bucks which is probably a little high but you know if they start at 35 at the end of a year maybe they made a thousand bucks next year 1500 next year 1850 next year 2400 then it goes takes a dive back down to 1900 then back up to 3600 so these numbers were all put together by somebody who's actually done this in real life and has a very tight circle of 
people like Dean Crepane or, or his yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and Barden, they're his friends. So this was not put together, you know, it wasn't blue sky. This is pretty reality-based. At the end of those 30 years when this fake composer, um, he's going to be making 112 grand a year, which personally, I think if he's been doing it this long, this well, this is half of what he would be making because I know taxi members that are making multiple six-figure incomes. So then you apply 5% compounded interest to that, and I think we deducted taxes from this, and we figured out that in the end, at 65 years old, this composer, who probably had a day job for the first 10 years of this, but just on the compositions alone, is going to net 1.679 million. So almost 1.7 million is what that composer is going to retire with. I don't think a lot of rock stars, or at least people who get signed a record, not anymore <laughs> yeah right exactly so yeah. it's a really nice way to do something you love and earn a real income if you do it well anyway a little yeah. off track but, but, but no no i i think i think it's it's a good point but there's there's some there's some uh some footnotes you know that should be added to that which is you know if you're working the day job and outputting that much then that that's a lot of sacrifice or, mm -hmm. or that's a lot of getting up early. Like for me, you know, I, I found my biggest productivity by waking up at four o'clock every, every morning. I call it my miracle morning. I get up at four o'clock and I go, I do some exercise, maybe do a little meditation, make some coffee. I'm in the studio no later than 5.30 every morning. Yeah, And so that's... before the rest of the world gets up, I've put in two, three hours worth of work. Now, you're married, you're married, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I've been married uh, almost 30 years and so no kids, but, um, but my wife Shannon, um, she is a music director in her own right, you know, and she's an arranger and a, uh, and super talented, really talented, and um, and uh, a music historian and all of that. Wow! So she understands music, but also I I put great value in relationship, in in not burning out everything in your life. The name of the music, you know, all all at the altar of art or whatever. Right. And so one of the reasons that that I haven't, you know, I I don't have, you know, making triple figures or uh, six figures with production music is as a conscious choice that I'm not going to like spend every waking hour cranking out music. And I think if you're looking at making, you know, after you know X number of years, six figures and all of that, it will require a good output. B knowing what you're doing. Right. Because one of, the, one of the things we haven't factored in is the learning curve. And I, right. I think some folks, you know, some folks who I've seen kind of like bag on taxi, if, if you don't mind me saying, I think some people who bag on taxi don't understand the industry. And so they're 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 putting their lot in with other people who are seasoned professionals. And then they're wondering why they get rejections. And I use this analogy earlier. It's like submitting. It's like learning how to barbecue by submitting your food in a barbecue competition you will you will learn the ropes but you know that can be a little bumpy right so when you're putting your music beside someone else and you don't really understand how production music works and how like you maintain a certain mood or emotion and and how you can't change tempos and all those kind of things you know this is where the forums really come in handy um and the peer-to-peer the peer-to-peer forum is, is very, very helpful. Dave's talking about uh, the Taxi Forum, which is at forums. Right, the Taxi Forums. Forums yeah, with forums an S. Dot taxi taxi yeah. com. Um, which were which were great for me. So if you don't know the industry, then making a thousand bucks your first year is going to be really difficult. 
But if you know the industry, you hit the ground running and you've, you know, you're able to get up at four in the morning or if you're able to stay up for an extra three hours after your, your uh, SO, your significant other goes to bed or whatever. Um, and then working that day job next to it, it's going to, for a while, it's going to feel like you have two full-time jobs. And that oh, absolutely. Be, that can be emotionally ringing. <laughs> Do people like, ever win the big prize without making the big sacrifice? Not really. No, and you, you, just have to de- you just have to decide for yourself if that is, like, worth it. Yeah. You know, and for, for me, I don't see me stopping teaching, right? I spend as much time like in the community at 52Qs making YouTube videos as I do making, making production music. If I were to just move everything out, right? right? Like Dead Sea style, just get out of the way. <laughs> um, then uh, I imagine I could get to that six figures, but it just so happens for me where I'm in my goals, my career goals, I, I, I don't see myself doing that, just personally. We've got a taxi member named Randon Purcell that gets up at 4.30 mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, and I've watched him, it's so rewarding being me, you know, being the owner of Taxi, <laughs> the, the guy who had this idea 31 years ago. And I get to see people like Randon or Dean Crepain or many, Steve Barton, many others, go from zero to hero because they all made that sacrifice. and. None of them are going to retire in a trailer park in Ensenada, Mexico, because mm-hmm. they can't afford to live in America, other than California. Right. Um, right. <laughs> because they will have mailbox money coming in in the six-figure range for the rest of their lives because of the sacrifice they made now. So you can make the sacrifice later and retire on a very skimpy budget and be scared to death about your very survival later in life, or you could take your talent and your um, proclivity to make music and you know do five or ten years of sacrificing now and retire safely then but that's that's a personal choice that's how i would do it but i can't make that choice for everybody but there's also there's also different what success means to different people you know for for some people being a success is just getting one placement and they're like okay i'm gonna retire a success and i put air quotes just because that means different things to different people absolutely I'm here to say that's completely okay and, and 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 uh and you it has to be rewarding for you and so anyway i'm getting a little little yeah. philosophical there, but. uh no it, it is I, honestly i didn't understand when i had the concept for this company that my biggest thrill would be the lives we've changed. People who had the dream. People accuse Taxi of selling dreams. No, we don't sell dreams. We help dreams come true, but you got to do the work. Well, and it sounds like an after-school special, you know, to say like, your success is my success, right? Hallmark moment, the more you know, but it really is true. This is coming from somebody who's been in higher education since 2001, and I taught drum set lessons long before then. So I've been 21 years in higher education, and the reason I wanted to be in higher education And the reason why I will always be in higher education, regardless of my level of success as a composer, is because those light bulb moments. When Mm -hmm. I get a message from one of my students and say, I got a placement or or, I don't know, I I won a Grammy or or whatever. I get that electricity, the same type of electricity I get when I hear my music on on TV. I get that same electricity when I see a student of mine succeed on whatever metric of success that they have established for them, themselves. And so uh, I don't see it as an either or thing. I'm not just treading water. I'm not just hoping to get my big break. I'm, I'm going to teach. It's baked into me. My, my, uh, my grandmother, my, my, my mom, my sister, my aunt, all teachers, it's woven into wow. the Paul really? Jeans. And so I just 
can't not teach. I mean, listen to me right now. I'm slipping into lecture mode because I can't help myself. I'm I'm sorry, Mark. What one of the great Mike? I prefer Michael just because I had a book when I was a kid about Mike the steam shovel, and I didn't want to be a construction worker when I grew up, so I asked my parents to call me Michael. (laughs) Anyway, I go by Dave, so I end up I I truncate everybody's name. So I. one of my greatest moments is the owner of Taxi. We had a, a taxi number, member named Peter Sivo, who was in his 80s and 90s. I believe he was in his 80s when he joined. He'd recorded, written and recorded music during World War II. Um, and he was a sailor, and he was a salty old sailor, you know. And we got him hooked up with a company that specializes in vintage music recorded back in the day and they loved his catalog and they bought it and and they paid him an upfront a a nice upfront for all that stuff and then uh he ended up probably if i had to guess i'd say probably made 10 grand a year extra income on top of his social security he got some placements in like real movies like big feature films and stuff and I called him one day and said, Peter, I just want you to know that all of, he's a little hard of hearing, I said, just want you to know, all of us at Taxi are really, really like, just from the bottom of our hearts, we're so happy for you that you're making this extra money, you know, in your very golden years. And he said, young man, I don't give a shit about the money. <laughs> he's cursing at me with his hard of hearing voice. He says, it's not about the money. This stuff has been sitting on a shelf for 70 years. All I ever wanted was for millions of people to hear my music. And because of the connection you made for me, that's happening on a regular basis. I had to go shut my door. I had a good cry. It, it was oh, the yeah. most, it's like, wow, I, I had an idea. And look how it's changed this guy's life. And, and I mean, I, I remember the day that Peter Sivo died, his son reached out to me and the publisher. And the publisher and I got on the phone and just had a good cry together because for both of us, it, it was the culmination of all of our hard work rolled into one guy who exemplified, you know, good things come to those who wait, I guess. It's probably uh, because, because at the heart, it's about relationship yeah right it's it's that's it's the currency in this industry absolutely currency so it sounds like your experience with taxi was realistic and good and productive and and now we know why you you quit um quitter Uh, no it's fine i don't hold it against you as far as you know no i know i know it's there and and uh when 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 the time comes i i absolutely uh, will rejoin because it's it's it'd be like hiring a publicist. Okay, I need I need to create more connections because I can't handle any more connections right now because I can't right. serve any any more clients. Only so many hours in the day. And so seeing like on the forums, people talk about you know 30 or 40 libraries that they're with, that blows my mind. So I I I, got, I need to know how they do that because I feel like I I, I keeping up. With everything else I got going on, YouTube channel, community, full-time teacher, all of that, I, I am, am pretty full up. Well, I got to tell you, that know. guy that you're talking about, which I'm going to reference in a minute when I read the, the uh-huh. stuff that I found on the forum over the weekend, he is a single parent of a young child. Like a, She's probably in like second grade now. I've actually been to his house in Nampa, Idaho, and, and mm-hmm. met his daughter and stuff. Um, he was a full-time professor uh, teaching communications Ooh. at Boise State. And he just, I mean, he put his daughter to bed and go out in the tool shed in the backyard, which is where he had his wow. studio, and his oh studio was nothing to crow about, and just worked and worked and worked, and he knew nothing. It's like, 
was telling Dave before we went live, the, this guy, um, Matt Vanderbilt, many of you know him and you've seen him on taxi TVs and stuff. He would literally use his QWERTY keyboard as his musical keyboard when he got started. He literally knew nothing and figured it out just by sticking with it, not giving up. And now he's amongst our, our most celebrated, productive, and probably highest Amazing. income earning members. Yeah. Anyway, I'd like much to read. Respect. Much respect. Yep. Uh, yeah, you, when you meet him, he, he's funny and goofy and smart and lovable and respect is the word that comes to mind because how many people yeah. are that nice and that hardworking? He he's, mm -hmm. doesn't take himself seriously and I think that's gone a long way for him. Um, too seriously, anyway. Um, anyway, I, I, I literally was looking at our forum over the weekend and this is truly by pure coincidence. Um, and no way in effort to make you feel guilty at all, Dave, not at all. Um, anyway, th I saw this post, uh, and, and we're going to play you. I saw a video that Dave did with two taxi members named Jeff LaPlante and Chris Moser. Chris Moser. And uh, literally, I just ran into this post over the weekend, and it was from Jeff LaPlante. And, he, and the title of the, the header on the post is, a great two years does it make sense to renew and he posted this a week ago sunday july 19th and he said i have taxi to thank for all my contacts uh and deals and i am so appreciative but do i just renew as a thank you you could <laughs> knowing that i will not have much use for the service anymore i'm connected to six different libraries that expect new music every few months as well as a library that's sending weekly briefs to composers these are more than enough to keep me busy and find homes for my 150 to 200 cues a year which i can com produce comfortably i'd very much like to stay loyal to taxi thank you for that thought jeff by paying 200 dollars a year in which i probably won't be submitting music it just seems unnecessary i thought about renewing just so i can go to the road rally but the flight and the hotel costs are more than i can afford so that's no longer a motivation any thoughts put it out there to the community and the first guy I believe this was the first response, was from the aforementioned member, Matt Vanderbilt, the guy working out of the tool shed. Very lovable. Uh, so Tuesday, January or June 21st, a couple days later, Matt says, a different perspective here. But six libraries really isn't all that much. What happens when library, what happens when business slows up for just three or four of them? Then all of a sudden, you're out 50% of your total of your library workload. I have music in well over 30, maybe even 40 libraries. I still submit to taxi listings and keep renewing my membership. You never know when business is going to get slow for some companies. That's true. My mantra has always been to scatter my music as far and as wide as possible, and I will continue doing that until, well, probably forever. Six libraries may feel like a lot when you first get traction, when you're first getting traction in this world, but really this is just the start two cents from a guy who's been doing this a long time now matt then yeah, he got, he's, and he has the and he has the credits and the royalty statements to back that to back that oh up. absolutely so, uh, he I does can't argue with that yeah. and, and here's a post same day from casey Hurwitz, a longtime member and frequent poster on the forum and a really like cherished member of the community um there are folks to whom i definitely would suggest don't renew Usually it's because of a lack of commitment, willingness to adapt to contemporary music. We see that a lot. Uh, just not having the ability to generate forward-worthy tracks. Or folks who just want to incessantly complain about screeners' returns. You are not one of those. You are having good success with taxis. Some points to consider here. 
$200 is not a lot of money in terms of expenses for what we do. If you don't renew and wait more than a certain amount of time, it'll be $300 to come back. That's because we give a $100 discount to returning members. Um, even one more library contact can mean a lot. And then there's the Road Rally, which I highly recommend. That's our convention for those of you who don't know. Good luck with your decision, Casey. And then a follow-up post uh, from Jeff LaPlante on Thursday, June 23rd, which very recently. Whoops, I flipped that page too quickly. Um, let's see, where did I go? Um, oh, this is Jeff, Jeff LaPlante says, I renewed. Like a sign from the heavens, a brand new library called me this morning and is signing multiple tracks that were forwarded last week. Can't hurt to make more contacts, right? Thanks, everyone, Jeff. Um, so let's discuss uh, Jeff LaPlante and Chris Moser, who were featured in a recent video that you did on your podcast. It was entitled Tips and Strategies for Maximizing Taxi. So with your permission, I'd like to play a clip from the interview that you did with Jeff and Chris. I think yeah, this absolutely. clip only has Jeff in it. Let's it's just Jeff, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me... Ooh, doing technical stuff while hosting, and here we go. And so, uh, uh, Jeff, starting with you, how long have you been with Taxi, and and what what are some of the key takeaways, or or, or maybe talk about your journey to really finding success with Taxi? Well, this time around, it's been about a year and a half, and I I say this is probably the first time that I've done Taxi with fidelity, did it the right way. Uh, I've been a taxi member probably three or four times in the past 10 years, uh, but this is the only time that I've done it correctly. The other times, I had just finished an album with my band, and I was like, all right, we have these 12 tracks. Let's see if we could get them out to the public. And I was just working with 12, you know, and of course, the rejections start coming, the critiques start coming. Oh, in verse number two, you got to change this line, or we don't like the saxophone part in the intro. Uh, and, and by that time, my band has been out of the studio now for, for months. <laughs> we have no way of going back just to change one lyric, you know? So I'm stuck getting rejections and critiques for, for as long as I'm a taxi member, that album run. And then, of course, a couple of years later, the band goes back into the studio and I'm like, OK, these are even better than the last set of 12 songs. Let's try Taxi again. And then the same thing just keeps on happening. And eventually you do kind of give up and get discouraged. This time around, I'm just by myself. I'm doing instrumental cues. Don't have to worry about changing lyrics around. It's just proven to be much better for me because in my studio I can go and make a little small tweak and then resubmit it a couple days later you know to to a different listing obviously so so when you say doing it correctly and I'm doing big air quotes in case you're listening to the podcast um, what does what does that mean what does doing it correctly mean to you well first I had to educate myself which I had never done before so first thing I did was I bought Steve Barden's book, right? And then I bought the, the demystifying the genre and demystifying the cue. Those are Dean's books. Both great guys, taxi success stories. They're on, on the forums. They have, they're on, on uh, Facebook, social media. Um, so I read 
everything and anything I could about television production music. Um, also studying the forwards blog, studying song structure, knowing what it means to tell a story with your music, as opposed to getting the critiques that you're too repetitive, you're too repetitive. Also a big thing for me is I finally using the correct sounds. Mm. Uh, I'm using uh, Omnisphere, I'm using a lot of sounds from Splice, I'm using sounds from Output. Before that, I just never had the means to purchase the correct sounds. Like I, for a long time in my 20s, I didn't have much money to buy the equipment <laughs> that I needed. In my 30s, I started my family, so I didn't have time to produce the music. Now, all of a sudden, my 40s, I have the means financially to buy the gear that I need, and I have the time to do it because now my kids are in their teen years. So right. everything's kind of coming together. Wow, very yeah, articulate. Yeah, Jeff, 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 and Chris both—they're just machines, man. Yeah. And uh, that full interview, he talks about you know how he he spent like a couple of months just honing his craft, absolutely yeah. honing his craft. So yeah, yeah it can be great, done. Great guys. And as he mentioned, his first couple of passes at Taxi didn't work out because he was making the classic mistake of going to a studio that they paid. The stuff was etched in stone forever. And he's pitching probably some square pegs for round hole opportunities. And at some point, he figured it out. And lo and behold, now he's becoming successful. So mm -hmm. it, it, it substantiates what I've always said, which is just do what we tell you to do. It's not that we're, <laughs> we're not the Gestapo. We're, we're just trying to make it so easy for you guys by laying it all out. Just you can't go to a gym and build muscle and lose pounds if you don't do what the trainer is asking you to yeah, do. And, and that's and that's and this is something we all didn't talk about. And I need to say, I, I have zero skin in the game. I mean, you're not like I don't. I'm not sponsored by you. You right. haven't like gifted me a membership, right? I paid my three and two hundred bucks or whatever, just like anybody. So I have zero skin in how successful you are. But uh, another huge benefit of Taxi is, is the listings, which are free. Right, just if you want to know what libraries are actively looking for, yeah. go to their listings. They all have references. They all tell you exactly what they need. They tell you how long they need it. They, and you can look and say, okay, so there are four searches for hip hop. I guess hip hop's hot right now. And here are all of these active references. And, and as far as the research goes, you're, you're doing my job for me. I mean, whether you subscribe or not, that is, that is worth the weight, it's weight in gold right there. Um, do you know who Robin Frederick is? I don't. Uh, she wrote, um, do I have one nearby? Shortcuts to hit songwriting. Um, these are the three ebook versions of it. Anyway, best selling mm -hmm. book, and I should disclose, I published it. Um, probably came out 12 or 13 years ago. Been a best selling songwriting book that people love. She also wrote the only book on the market about songwriting excuse me, for film and TV. Um, this episode sponsored by Rockstar and the burps that come with it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Robin's book on film and, writing songs for film and TV, which is very different from writing songs for radio and records. Uh, my point being that one day I said to Robin, you know, she's not a 30-year-old lady. I said, Robin, how do you stay abreast? You are like a walking encyclopedia of what's happening now on pop radio. Name 
any genre, and she can rattle off hits of the last six months like that and tell you what works, what doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. How do you stay abreast? And she goes, I look at your listings. <laughs> so right there. Yeah, a woman who I, you know, idolized, put her on a pedestal. She's using the taxi references and listings to accomplish what you just said. So thank you for reminding me and yeah. reminding our viewers about that. Yeah, yeah. In that video that you did with uh, Jeff and Chris, you said uh, that several of your students at Full Sail, maybe many, have expressed their frustration with taxi, presumably because they get so many rejections, I would guess. Uh, would you say that those frustrated students haven't yet figured out what successful members like Jeff and um, Chris have, or as you so eloqu eloquently, which I can't do, eloquently put it, maybe they just haven't cracked the code. Um, do you think that's the case for those frustrated members? Yeah, I think I think it's um, not not just full sale students, but also uh, uh, students that I teach outside outside of uh, in the university and in 52 Qs and all of that. Um, I think it's part of not understanding like the what the music is looking to accomplish. Not understanding that you need to you need to serve the editor and the editor's job, you know, and, and how they look at music and how they process music and how they think about it. They're looking at a waveform. They need to see transients and spikes and edit points and all of that stuff. And so if they're coming from it from a songwriting background, they're coming from it from an EDM or maybe they write a hip hop, you know, but and they want to write hip hop for TV. Well, as soon as you take like a rapper off of a hip hop track, you're left with a one or two bar loop, which is going to be way too repetitive mm -hmm. for use in TV. And so I think it's making that switch. And so some of the frustration is, in my experience from, from talking to students, um, is making the, that shift from writing music and that's going to go out and serve as art, that's going to go out and, and somebody's just going to listen to versus music that needs to fit in a much, much larger picture and, and serves a very different purpose. And so making that switch, and this is kind of what I was saying earlier, right. they submit things up taxi not having learned that and they end up learning it through returns and they get you know they get the feedback and they're and they again their go gets bruised i've been there 27 returns of 80 submissions i get it mm -hmm. but um that is their learn that's that's their learning crucible versus like taking a lesson or something like that and so again it's like learning how to grill barbecue wings by submitting your music alongside other people who have been doing it for a very long time which is one way to learn how to do it. Uh, so I think that's the frustration. And also, sometimes uh, if you don't understand necessarily some of the screener, I think some of the, 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 the way the screeners can be kind of this mysterious kind of the number, right? There's no, it's just 416. And so it feels- And, and we like, do that for a reason. We've actually had threats. Yeah, totally. we, we haven't in, in many years, but we've had one guy in particular, I'm gonna come over there with a baseball bat and rearrange their faces. Okay. Well. I, I completely understand the need for, need for anonymity, you know, in this process. I So this is an, a, an indictment on that. But I think for a student who's getting a return and might get something filled out, some um, some information which might not be as clear. Now, I will say, like the legacy critiques versus your your current critique system, I think is a lot is a lot better. I think yeah. that's something that that Taxi absolutely improved on. Instead of like just a punch list of yes, no, yes, no, yes, no return, it's it, it feels like there's there's uh, there's a deeper feedback. Um, but just that whole screening process and not understanding maybe why you got a rejection and being honest with yourself, your music just not might not be ready. I mean, you, yeah. you just might not be ready, and that's okay. 
everybody wasn't ready at some point in their career. Nobody was born ready to write production music. One everybody of the things that somehow. Thank you for the compliment on the improved critiques. One of the things mm -hmm. that we added was a box on the right-hand side of the page that says, the reason you were forwarded or returned for this submission is, and it'll say because 80% of the time, people just don't nail the genre. It's like, dude, did you read the request? It clearly specified a genre. We had one the other day. It was for vintage 60s jazz. And the only one submission came in, guess what it was? Metal. Somebody sent in metal that had no relationship to jazz whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. And, and maybe it was recorded in the 60s or something, I don't know, but. Well, well I, you know, I teach production music at, at, at Full Sail. It's my class is teaching production music. And so I see every, every, every month, I see students come in and they have their preconceived notion about what they do and what they want to do. And so they write something and they think, hey, I think this will work as opposed to this is because I take kind of the role of the publisher. I'm mm -hmm. a library. I need this. You need here are your three brief options this week. Write to one of these three briefs. But instead, they write what they know and hope it works. Right. And because I it's so good. Somebody will wreck. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped all over you there. No. No, I'm just saying I can only imagine that that happens a lot through the screeners. I know for me, that's why I got a lot of returns was I was trying to, you know, <laughs> if you make hammers, everything looks like a nail, right? So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, I believe, deep down inside, if they're really being honest with him or herself, are thinking, this is so freaking good that even though it's not really what they're asking for when they hear it, they're going to be so impressed and in love with it, they're going to forward it to the company, and the company or the music supervisor is going to forget what kind of music the, the supervisor and EP or director thought would work in that scene. They're going to go, doesn't matter what we thought. This is so good. Let's just put it in the scene. Right. And that's it, not how the business works. Well, the flip side of that is they, they just might not know any better. They just might not know any better. And, and so uh, part of them learning to do that is taking their lumps. Man, when I first got started, um, this was uh, back in 2014 and 2015, you know, I was very lucky and blessed to have a publisher who was eternally patient with me. Wow. And so everything from my titles to my mixing to my form and to my structure, I mean, it really was, you know, a gauntlet of and rejections <laughs> and, and, uh, and and gate you know I had to submit to a to a music supervisor who then submitted it to somebody else who then and so but I took a ton of lumps my first season with the NFL like I was so hungry for it I wrote like 17 tracks and only like five of them actually made air that year but that was hours and hours and hours of, of, of production uh, and 12 tracks which I guess just live in a library somewhere, but that's all right because I was learning and I listen to them now. I'm like, yeah, I can totally see why those didn't get in the air. And, and someday you're going to get a quarterly from CSAC that's going to have, a, you know, a, an airing of one of those things that you thought was dead in the water just because well, it was I've right for a scene. Yep, I've already seen that. Some uh, a, a cue called uh, "Don't pits me off." Uh -huh. <laughs> it pits out of strings, and uh, it just showed up. It just showed up. Some some music supervisor somewhere was digging through the uh, the catalog you know in the search engine and 
there was a, there was like the the heavens parted, the angels sang, and oh, don't piss me off was the perfect fit, and it showed up on the cue sheet. But that's a great yeah, title for anybody that knows what pizzicato is, and if they know right. that that do 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 you know yeah. is pizzicato. Excuse me, the editor's sitting in a cubicle working at two o'clock in the morning trying to make a deadline for an air date, and they know that they need you know, something sneaking around the bushes, peering in a window, and they need some pitsy stuff for that, and they see, don't pits yep. me off. Ooh, that sounds like it might work. Lo and behold, yep. so just by good titling, you probably got that placement. Nice going. Yeah, thank um, you very much. <laughs> no, I, I'm a huge fan of good titles. Um, as I'm sure you've noticed, about 10 to 15% of taxis industry listings have language in them that the companies have actually requested that we include in the listings. And that language says in so many words that they only want to work with the experienced composers who know the drill. Now, some of our members read that and go, experienced composers, oh, come on, well, you know, I'm really good. I may not be experienced at this film and TV thing. And it's not about your level of talent as a composer by itself. That is not in its own little box over there. It's also about, no. it says composers who know the drill. Knowing the drill, in my opinion, is the key phrase here. Why, in your opinion, do some companies only want to hear music from and work with musicians who know the drill? Well, it's like, again, 2014, 2015, I had a publisher who was willing to educate me. Not every, that's, that, that's an exception and not the rule. I, I understand that, I'm very fortunate. But uh, to having to like educate composers on form and structure and, and working with composers who aren't going to flip out when you throw a contract <laughs> asking for their publishing share. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to give up publishing. I never, I was told on a Facebook forum to never give up publishing. So I'm never going to do that and then walk away. And now they're, and, and, and they're looking at you like, Michael, why did you send these people to me? They don't understand the industry, which is okay. Nobody was born understanding the industry. But when they say they know the drill, they know that they're going to work with composers who not only know how to write good music, right? Because good music is a baseline. Everybody has to have good music, but understands the industry, understands about edit points, and aren't going to lose their lose their lose their crap when you put a contract <laughs> and they ask for exclusive rights and they ask for copyright. No, I have to submit my copyright. Well, no, we need to control the copyright because we need to control where its licensing goes. But if you're going to flip out when somebody asks for the publishing share, then they just don't. Want bother i don't i don't blame them i don't i don't blame them for not wanting to, to to saddle up to that bar and have to have to have to kind of bring somebody along not every publisher is has the time energy yeah. or bandwidth to do any of that you were that's how i that's how i feel about it very very fortunate to have that publisher that was 100%. patient with you uh and most of them are really nice people but they don't have the bandwidth as you said and they're not that patient and they they can't spend their job is not to educate you their job is to make money with music and share that money 50 50 with you in basic yeah, terms absolutely. And, and i was so lucky because what i brought to the table was you know kind of high energy orchestral epic hip-hop music which is all mm. over sports broadcasting and this library didn't have that in their catalog wow and so they knew that i could do it and so it was um it was kind of a loss leader for them you know they were investing in me and because of that i've been with them for years and years i've turned down libraries because those libraries are competitors with this other library wow right and i and and, and that was a decision that i made both financially and personally because what did I say at the beginning? Relationship is currency. Yeah. If I would have started farming my cues out to the other publisher, 
right? And then suddenly I get a placement through publisher B and publisher A didn't get a placement and we're on the same cue sheets. Now suddenly that relationship yeah. is in danger and, and, and you've got to dance with the girl what brought you, right? So I'm going, I'm going to do that. I'm going to honor that relationship. And that was a call that, that I made. I had to back away from another library deal because I came to find out that they were direct competitors in the same sports space and I, run, I ran the risk of my cue showing up on the same cue sheet as my 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 publisher A, who had invested into me. And I did you let publisher A know you don't seem like, hey, guess what I did for you guys today kind of guy. But I hope that you did have a, a more subtle way to let them know because that was very menschy of you, very honorable. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I talked to my 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 music supervisor kind of over there and just said because I asked him, I said, oh, this feels like really weird. And I had a check right in my in my my soul, my spirit. I'm like, oh, this feels really weird. And I feel like I'm, I'm dangerously sawing on the log that I'm standing on <laughs> or on the branch that I'm standing on. Um, and um, and yeah, I could have done it. I could have torched that relationship. But 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 then what? For a couple of extra placements or whatever, right? And that's that wasn't worth it for me because, again, relationship is. Crazy. And you got that back in spades because they will never forget that moment. Uh, you know, well, and that that publisher has gone on to publish for uh, for other networks, and so then they brought me along. That con that that publisher, yeah. that same publisher A, has gone on to do um, to do custom custom bespoke production music, like with the Masters tournament, mm -hmm. and. He called me. I'm one of two composers writing wow. custom music for the Masters movie documentary. And so great. if I had, again, if I had torched that branch, none of that would have happened. So I have to do what's right by me. Relationships are currency in, in, in no amount of royalties for me. This is just me. No amount of royalties that I would have gotten from this other publisher would have been worth torching that relationship. When... Uh I grew up in a little farm town in, in Illinois and populated by mostly farmers and kind of blue collar factory worker types. My parents and my grandparents had a, a, a store down on Main Street. And when I was a kid at a very early age, I would do stuff like pin ticket Levi's or go down and sweep floors, or whatever. And I grew up in the family business. And my grandfather, who was an immigrant from Russia, you know, back in the day in his very thick accent said to me one day, if a client or if a customer comes in and they want a red flannel shirt and all we have are blue flannel shirts take them by the hand look both ways cross the street take them to our competitor across the street and show them where the red flannel shirts are in our competitor's store and you will have a customer for life That's right. same thing it's relationship it's yep. relationship it's and, and guess what is about 30 inches from my head right now is an oil painting portrait of my grandfather that I inherited, wow. you know, 25 years ago or something. But, wow. and that's exactly what that painting on the wall means. He looks like, you know, kind of a boardroom. He's wearing a suit and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it reminds me every day of do the right thing. If you treat your customers well, you will always have a business. Um, okay, let's see. Where did I leave off? Uh, Oh, it's my observation that the majority of independent musicians share the long-held belief that everybody in the music business is just out to screw them in the context, in the context of doing business, not the other kind of screwing um, Do you agree or disagree with that long-held belief? Uh, I think music is called the music business, right? And everything we're doing here is business. If you're asking someone to give you money for a thing that you make, it's business. And I think some folks lose track of that. And so when somebody makes a business decision, 
then uh, they feel personally affronted. Uh, like that past story, if I would have gone with publisher B because that may have been the best fiscal business decision at the time, that would have that would have damaged that relationship. And I think, I think folks who feel um, that everybody's out to get them is losing sight of that. Now, that's not to say that there aren't nefarious players looking to take advantage of of uh, very hungry people out there. You know, mm. and and I've heard that kind of sentiment lobbied against Taxi. Yeah. You know? I, I've heard like you know it's a pay-to-play scam and everything, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's. If it was a pay-to-play scam, it wouldn't have been around for 31 years. I mean, that's just no con, regardless of how long, is going to make it for 31 years. No, actually, um, there was one. What's his name? The the Wall Street guy, uh, Bernie Madoff. But he was an exception. <laughs> All right, he's the exception that proves the rule. Let's say right. that. But uh, you know, and I and I've seen that you know lobbied against you know other schools and, and going to school and getting a degree is a scam. It's like no, you 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 get out what you put into it. And so, um, so anyway, all that to say, I think some folks who feel like uh, the industry is out to get them um, have lost sight of the fact that uh, at the end of the day, it is a business. And so that, that, can, that can be a, a tough pill to swallow sometimes if you've only like, been in your little artist brain and everything you write is, is needs, needs to be heard. Anyway, You know, you and I seem to be cut from similar cloth because I understand that it's a business. However, and I bet you would probably agree with this, which is I really don't like it when people say it's just business, which is a, a cheap way of justifying when they do screw somebody. Business is business, meaning you have to separate the emotional side from the business side, especially when you're dealing with creative stuff like music or maybe mm -hmm. film or you know graphic art, whatever. But um, St you're still dealing with human beings and you have to treat them honorably and, and and you have to deliver hold up your end of the business that's business yeah. it is i give you something of value and you give me money in exchange for it yay yeah and if, if you if you feel like taxi's a scam go call taxi i i about guarantee you you will take their call and you'd be happy to talk to them because five minutes of talking to you you realize wow this michael is a genuine business person right he's running a business here it's not a charity it's not a philanthropic you know philanthropic endeavor you're <laughs> looking to have a career it was the first few years <laughs> aren't all businesses um but you know talk to him i mean don't, and don't, don't taxi even offer a re refund like isn't there like a, a money back kind of for a full right? year so uh, yeah anyway, uh, I, uh, yeah we don't encourage people obviously to you know take advantage of that and some people do and i knew when i instituted the full year money back guarantee that some people would uh i just had to respond to an email this morning that was sent to me by my staff excuse me, um, Rockstar burp again, um, that somebody had joined, um, did the two-year discount special. At the end of the first year, they said, I want my money back. And we said, happy to give it to you. Just want to let you know that you can't renew. And they said, oh, in that case, I'll, I'll stick it out for the second year. And then at the end of the second year, um, they went fallow for a year i believe and then came back and did a third year and at the end of the third year asked for a refund again and we said no the reason we offer the refund for a year is we want you to experience all the taxis mm -hmm. you can't figure it out in 30 60 or 90 days but 
you also can't be a member for three years because that says I liked it enough that I was there for three yeah. years and get a refund. They were trying to screw us. So it's um, like finishing a, a, a finishing a twenty four hour epic audio book and then you know at the very end saying mm, I'll take a refund and Audible will give you your money to yeah. an extent. I mean you can't abuse that policy. I mean my greater point was is that you know on some level haters gonna hate you know I do YouTube videos you know I get like student course evaluations at the end of every month and so some students just ah, they're just they just they just don't like what you're selling and that's fine that's fine yeah, but just the vast what majority is. are very very satisfied you know students who feel served and so uh, those are the people that I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not giving any energy to somebody who's gonna like just just hate hate on me or uh, in the YouTube comments and something, I'll say thank you, and I really, honestly, and earnestly appreciate you watching. But I'm not going to engage with you. There's nothing good can happen from arguing with internet strangers. I, I wish no I could. I wish I could do what I dish out to our members, which is don't don't let a, a return, you know, throw you into a, you know a, a downward spiral. Um, I still do get really bothered when somebody isn't happy with Taxi. It's my song, and I want them to no. love it. But no, I, I, I get it. I, I want to understand how we can be better. But I will ruminate on that. I spent the whole weekend thinking and working on Taxi stuff because it's my nature. Yeah, I mean, I still get re I still get uh, feedback from my publishers. One of the publishers that I write for, that I got through Taxi, recently sent me like a five-minute audio file and like a 750 wow. word like re re response on one of my placements on I'm sorry on one of my submissions yeah and at first I was a little like oh hey you know don't you know who I am I am this is not my first rodeo but once my once I let my ego kind of chill out <laughs> it was a free lesson I mean he was giving me gym after gym after gym which I can then carry forward and the fact that he recorded like a five minute odd file of hey this is exactly what you need to change because really really rare it, it is. But at the end of the day, man, we are all in this together. We're partners. Like the publisher doesn't work for me. I, I work. We're in the same rowboat. We're on opposite sides, but we're all rowing in the same direction. And so when you think that somebody else in the industry is combative and you think they're against you, no, they like that publisher genuinely wants me to succeed. He wants my music to be better because his success is quite literally or my success is quite literally his success yeah because we are we're, we're yoked equally yoked if you will yeah um but um but i was again once my once my ego kind of uh and my pride you know got 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 into the back seat then i realized that this was enormously valuable information and i was very very thankful for it I completely concur, and I'm really glad that you met him because it's mm -hmm. extremely rare that somebody would do that. But he was investing in you. Yep. It's self-serving, but in a very menschy way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's it, again, if, if I get placement, he gets paid. Everybody wins. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of answers what was going to be my next question. Um, Again, talking about people in the industry, the, the, the misheld or misguided belief that is a hangover from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the record deal side of the industry. People in the, my experience, my observation, I know many, many owners of music libraries, uh, is that they're not out to screw musicians because they win when you win. And, and you just summarize it so nicely with that one story that yeah. if you could just answer the question in this way, have you found that? I'm not telling you how to answer the question. I'm just saying, let's get a short answer and move on. And the answer 
is, or the question is, have you found that people who run libraries are generally honest, hardworking people, and they're not trying to find a way to screw musicians? No, no, they're, they're not looking to take advantage. And I, and I want to believe that Taxi wouldn't enter into any type of business relationship with any library who's looking to take advantage, you know, and vacuum up and, 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 right. and, and all of that. I, I, I want to believe that. I have no way of, you know, I have no metric of, of tracking that. But I want to believe that you, part of your, your uh, end of the bargain, is to make sure that you're bringing quality people to the table. And Absolutely. so, no, if, yeah, I've never experienced a library. I've experienced a library who has taken my track and then just kind of done nothing with it. And, and they didn't get any more music from me. It's cool. It's all good. Let's yeah. just part ways. I guess I'm just not a fit, but I'm not going to. Yeah. And, and maybe at the time they signed you, they thought this is really good. We could probably find somebody that needs this. And ultimately they didn't. It, you know, it wasn't an intentional. Why would they go to the problem of or the trouble of doing the the, the Due process, uh, or uh, what do you call it when you vet something? You know, making yeah, sure. like in, entering, like sending me out a schedule and, yeah. and uh, putting it into my uh, PRO, registering it with CSAC yeah. and all that. Why would they that, do that, that, that if that they didn't think they money. could make right. money? That's right. um, all right, I'm going to skip over some stuff in the middle here because we're running a little short on time. Um, I've got a bone to pick with you, Dave. <laughs> he says with a wink and a smile. Here we go. Yeah, that's right. Damn it! I just invited you on the show so I could embarrass you publicly. The, now, the gotcha journalism. <laughs> actually, uh, in your video about cracking the code with Jeff Laplante and Chris Moser, uh, one of Chris Moser's excellent tracks called "Spy Thing," which is kind of like an Ocean's Eleven kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, really, really well done. At the end of it, you said something like, "Well, if that didn't get forwarded, then Taxi is truly broken," and I was like. Dave, it's because now everybody who didn't get something forwarded is going to think taxi's broken. Um, you left one very important thing out of that, which is if it didn't get forwarded for the right listing. Right. So let's talk about that. Um, you clearly understand the drill, and let's talk about. Am I right in saying you could have the greatest music in the world, the greatest single piece of music in the world, but if it's not what that music supervisor yeah, it's, it's not needs, what they're looking for. right? I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've seen, you know, at Full Sail, I've seen students submit tracks which are amazing, mm -hmm. but they get an F because they wow. didn't, it didn't hit the project. Right? It's part of what I'm teaching is uh, teaching students to be able to submit to and and and, and giving the client what they're asking for. Because what we're all looking to do here is, is, is to craft a sustainable living making music, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that, that I talk about as a teacher just in general across the board. And so I think absolutely you can have an amazing piece of music, but if it's not what they're looking for. I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you order like a steak and they hit you with fish, it might be the best tilapia or whatever <laughs> that you've ever, that ever existed. Yeah. But you didn't order fish. You ordered steak. My comment about about Jeff's track was was less about a uh, taxi being broken and more about how amazing his work is. Yeah. And um, and knowing that he had, you know, somewhat cracked the code. Uh, and uh, that was more a comment on, on just how talented both of those guys are. Really, so really. It, it was, again, less an indictment on taxi. I know. <laughs> I, I really didn't take offense at it. I just had the, the thought as I watched it thinking, God, I wish he just included that one phrase because Again, yeah, I'm repeating myself, now, but the greatest thing in the I, world. 
Yeah, I will say that, you know, I get I get a lot of students who will say, hey, this got rejected from taxi. What do you think went and, and what I'll ask for? I'll ask for two things. I'll ask for their feedback form that they got and I'll ask for the brief. Yep. Show me the brief, because if you just say oh, I got rejected and I don't know what the brief is and there are myriad issues that could be going on. But if you show me the brief then I can say, oh, here, here, here and here and here. Not that I've not that I'm like perfect. I've, again, 27 returns. Uh, but um, often without the brief, there's no context. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my next, we've talked about this already. I know I've said this many times before, but the vast majority of music that doesn't get forwarded by taxi, maybe as much as 80%, that's just a shoot from the hip guesstimate, is because it just doesn't fit the request. Uh, the aforementioned, you know, vintage metal sent in for 60s vintage jazz. There's just, if it were like Americana and folk, okay, I can understand the gray area there and how that mistake could be make, made, but dear God, uh, jazz and metal. Nope, and it didn't even have like jazz drums in the middle, you know? <laughs> it's, write, it's writing what you want and trying to find a home for it versus seeing what they're asking for and writing to give them what they want. That's the difference. Yep. Um, okay, so now that you've been on, on the side of the industry where you've got direct relationships with some libraries, and to continue this thought a little further, uh, if you if they sent you a brief, the library that sends you briefs every week or however, however mm -hmm. often they do that, um, do you now as a professional feel that there's a little wiggle room when you see those briefs to go, you know, I know that they're looking for this, and I don't really do that, but I could bastardize, you know, something by putting in a harmonica. It'll make them feel like it's Americana. Um, oh. or, or do you, are you now at, the, you've reached a level of professionalism where you don't try to put the square peg in the round hole? Yeah, I just, that's, that's wasting my time. It's just a waste of time because, uh, again, they ordered steak, but I'm, I really feel like making fish and I hope they like fish. No, they ordered steak. If I wanted to do that, then I would just make my own music and put it out on Spotify to satisfy whatever creative itch I felt I needed to scratch. There you go. Right, but 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 doing that for a library again—they're trying to run a business. They're not for us. They're uh, they're not against us. They're for us. We're in the same boat. Blah 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 blah. Uh, no, that's a waste of my time. Uh, uh, is that succinct enough for you? <laughs> yeah, very very succinct. <laughs> I was actually going to move on to this the topic of royalty-free music libraries, but I'm going to skip it just because we don't really have time. I don't think yeah, um, yeah but I would love to have you come out for the road rally if you can break away from school and come out I want to do a panel at this year's road rally um, a roundtable about royalty-free libraries there's some good ones there's some bad ones out there people don't really understand the business model I think that the more established legacy libraries that are mm -hmm. kind of the core members of the production music association um, despise them maybe they're a little terrified by them um, it's an evolving business model that maybe has some merit but maybe you know like the water circling the drain and a race to the bottom on musicians getting right. screwed by getting no money but that's we could do 90 minutes on that topic so yeah, yeah, can you absolutely. kind of summarize well i think, in I think a the sentence? fear is is the same thing that's going on with like subscription service like so many of these uh so many of these these royalty free libraries are going to a subscription service where you pay your thirty dollars a month and you get everything. Oh, and you that can eat. just thins out the payouts across the board, right? 
And so uh, the same the same reason that people have issues with software as a service for subscription, whether it's plugins or DAWs or whatever, I think it's cut from the same cloth mm -hmm. because they see an erosion of profitability. And that's not a bad word. Profit's okay. It's okay for you to make a profit. But um, I think there is a little bit of race to the bottom. I think that the markets, those, those royalty markets are really oversaturated and there are select few which make out like bandits, whether they get added to a playlist or whether they just physically have more songs in the catalog. They've been at it lo uh, longer than anybody else. And so their presence is, is known. But for somebody trying to break into those, man, it's like finding a needle in a stack of needles and <laughs> looking for that size of needle. Uh, I had next to zero success in royalty free. And I, and I tried, but it, it wasn't worth it, the, the buyouts. The, the, the limitations on back end. I don't think that's sustainable. It wasn't for me. Yeah. I heard all of the success stories from people making six figures in royalty free. I, I, I wonder how they're able to do that now in, this, in the subscription era. But it didn't pan out for me personally. And so I, I think that any, any more eggs in that basket. The few people that do make really good money are probably people that started those companies and had a, a huge catalog of their own that they put in at the very beginning. And, and I don't want to call it a pyramid scheme, but there is a pyramid structure to it to some degree that early in, you're right, um, those people yeah, the, benefited the, the, the most. The composer I know who's had, or a handful of composers I know who've had some moderate success was just that. They had a catalog that hadn't found any homes and they just like backed Why up the dump truck and <laughs> just dumped them all in. And so suddenly they have a huge footprint in the marketplace and that was you know several years ago so that's just story so, all right well uh, hopefully you can come out for the road rally and be part of that round table i appreciate um, the invite yeah. there's a podcaster in our niche our ballpark uh, that recommends not using a service like taxi but instead do the work yourself identify dozens of companies identify who the key person is at each of the companies um, craft a very business-like email or phone script contact those people follow up and repeat the process. He'd be shocked to know that more than 20 years ago, Taxi's brochure, which has gone out to several hundred thousand people over like close to 20 years, said this, the second best way. Um, I recognized that whole concept the day I started this company. Yeah, I, I know from personal experience in life and in business, nobody's gonna work harder for you than you will. Mm -hmm. However, most people don't have the time, the bandwidth, the business chops to even write a succinct three-sentence email that gets right to the point and is very clear in what it says. It's scary. Musicians, creative people in general, I have, I have observed over many years, they're scared to death to ask for a sale, and that's how business is done. Would you? Here's what I'm offering. Would you like to buy it? You've got to ask for the sale. And so they don't want to do that. And that's why I created Taxi, because people have day jobs, they have families, they have life responsibilities. But I, I want to go on record that our mutual acquaintance, um, uh, I wish he kind of wouldn't point fingers at Taxi, like we're committing some sin by doing what we do. Uh, no, uh, we overtly... You're, you're just, you're just you're just the larger largest player in this space and so it's an easy target it's an easy you're punching back and so uh yeah. no i i it's like what i mentioned earlier if that's if that is worth less than ten dollars a week for you then <laughs> have at it go go for it it's not this isn't for you just step away no 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 need to disparage anybody 
but for me it was an easy it's an easy to steal as far as what 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 taxi offered and the uh the the interaction and the relationships and all that so yeah what do people spend on starbucks i forget i used to know a number the average person you know spends on coffee a week i I, uh, I am i'm pleading the fifth on that one (laughs) we've had i am pleading the fifth on that one (laughs) What does that drink cost? Six bucks? You, uh, on, on the advice of counsel, I have been um, advised not to answer that question. Does it cost as much as a gallon of gasoline today? <laughs> no. Thankfully, no, it doesn't. Thankfully. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do some quick math here. Uh, not, oh, not pointing any fingers at you, Dave. <laughs> but let's see. That's all good. Uh, calculator. Okay, there's my calculator. So let's say you spend five dollars a day, and you only go to Starbucks on work days if you work in an office, which nobody seems to anymore. So that's 21 days per month. Five times 21 equals 105 dollars a month times 12 months a year, which is 1260 dollars a year on Starbucks if you only go on work days which we all know people go Saturday morning and, and not only do they get the coffee, but they get the-, the Michael, the, I, I, I'm feeling personally attacked here. Right <laughs> I'm gonna need you to- uh, Do you need a safe space, space, Dave? Here. Yes, I do, I do. I'm triggered here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. the guy pounding down rock stars every week. No, those are free. The, the company oh, gives wow. them to us for the road rally. <laughs> Fair enough. All yeah, right. I but I did that. order a case because these have so much sugar in it, and I have found that by just giving a reasonable attempt at cutting back my sugar, that I dropped six or seven pounds. So I don't drink the ones with sugar in them anymore, except for today, because I didn't. I went out and ordered a couple cases of uh, what's that stuff called? Red Bull, the sugar-free Red Bull, as a yep. replacement. So there you go. <laughs> um, Okay, so there's that, there's that. Uh, all right, uh, I think, let's see, we've got three and a half minutes left. Um, Dave has a thing. He's wearing it on his shirt. You need to move your oh, microphone. Yeah. There you go. I do, I know, uh, yeah. Uh, 52Qs.com, which mm-hmm. um, is a community um, of like-minded people those of you watching the show today would find value in what he does. So do a couple minutes on 52Qs.com. Yeah, 52Qs is a production music community, community um, which started out as a Facebook group, actually, like three or four years ago. We grew up to about a 1,000 members. And the term 52Qs is borrowed from Dan Graham's book. Uh, it's not even borrowed. He didn't coin that phrase. But in his book, A Composer's Guide to Library Music, Dan uh, from Gothic Storm, you know, production music house, writes trailer music and all of that, um, talks about if you focus on writing just one quality piece of music a week, then over the course of a career, you can really create a groundswell of, 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 uh, of cues that you can then leverage into a career, right? Starting focusing on one cue a week. And there's this kind of bubble, you know, as you're starting to learn, you're starting to learn how to write music and learn, learn about the industry. You start by writing one cue a week and then you get good at it. And then you write multiple cues a week. I personally average anywhere between three to four cues a week. But then on the other side of that, you know, that bell curve, you can start being really a lot more selective. And so that's, and so you, you end up writing one cue per week. So 52 cues is a community, community dedicated to that ideal. We, we offer, uh, it's, it's free to join. 
and it's now it's no longer on Facebook. It's on its own uh, independent network, right? And folks can come in. They can share their cues. They can leave feedback. They can uh, they can receive feedback on their cues. And we also have other uh, subscription tiers, offering interactive uh, workshops. We have uh, we offer tiers which offer uh, interactive feedback sessions. So every 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 Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon, we sit and we listen to each other's cues and I give live feedback. Uh, we also, like I mentioned, workshops and uh, lots of other programs, mastermind groups, lessons, uh, weekly office hours, the, the whole idea. It's not just a course, like 52 cues is just a course that you subscribe to. It's all about creating real-time interactive feedback. And I see all the time folks coming uh, with their taxi questions. And I think 52 Qs really dovetails really well. I see it every single week. Hey, I'm submitting this for this taxi brief. What do you think? And it's not a replacement for the taxi forums because you're gonna get entirely different uh, different um, feedback over at the taxi forums than you do here. And you, you don't have to cho choose. You why is that? Why, why, would, why would the feedback be different in one place? And the, I mean, obviously, if 10 people look at the Mona Lisa, they're all going to focus on different things maybe. But do you think there's a well, reason think, why the, the feedback might be different from one from the other? Well, because you might have people in the taxi forums who are intimately familiar with taxi versus mm. people not in like people over at 52 cues who are familiar with greater production music as a whole uh, or maybe they come from a, a different background and maybe they know how to mix rock and, or whatever and so i think it's it's a broader spectrum but it really goes hand in hand and my, and my point is is that it's not you don't have to choose either or right if you make a taxi submission i wholeheartedly encourage you to put it in the peer-to-peer -peer forums and over at the yeah. feedback thread and uh, because one of the main mantras of 52 Qs is together we are better. I'm not, you know, this isn't, this is my educational philosophy. You know, I'm not like on my pedestal saying snatch the pebble from my hand grasshopper. Like this information is I want to freely give it to you. It, it's I am not holding on to any industry secrets uh, and I don't have all the answers. But together we can uh, we can look at creating and helping others through uh, through mutual feedback and respect and um, crafting a sustainable career in the production music industry. And that's the heart of feedback. And we have merch and swag and all that other stuff. So yeah, that's what 52Qs is about. Like I said, you can go to 52Qs.com, join up. You can join up for free. If you never subscribe, that's cool. Love to have you. But if you're, if you're really looking to put into your career alongside you know Taxi and what Taxi does, but 52Qs I think can really, really help you. And it's not, like I said, it's not just a course. It's much more interactive than that. Well, that's great. Um, I will uh, stop by. Um, you you yeah. sent me the link. I, I will. Uh, I would love to be interviewed by you. And um, I would love to have you on and come do a Q and A for the community and just answer to. questions. You know, because because uh, there are questions that I don't know the answer to, and like uh, like understanding how the screening process works and. And uh, I think that would be hugely valuable. Yeah, I think somewhere uh, in one of your videos, uh, the one with uh, with Jeff and, and Chris, you said that uh, taxi is enigmatic. It's amazing after 30 years, almost 31 years, that people still don't know. It's like, oh yeah, taxi, they charge musicians money. So therefore they must be evil because everything should be free. Uh, and people really don't, <laughs> yeah, people really don't know what it is we do. So.
Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's been a great pleasure having you on. You're my favorite you so former much. taxi member. Uh, <laughs> your ex. <laughs> yes, that's right. I like you a lot better than my ex-wife. First well, wife. I, well, I, First. I, I will take that as high praise. And again, once I, I really, really, uh, I, I, I'm not sponsored by taxi, and I just think it's a really good idea. And I have zero qualms um, encouraging any of my students to push into taxi because uh, and it's not for everybody, but it's been a success for me. And the value that I think that taxi adds to the greater um, sync music production music landscape, I think, is 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 much much more than the five dollars or whatever. And record deals and publishing deals. By the way, you know, we get so used because so many of our members are successful with sync. We had a woman that had the number one female jazz record of the year three or four years ago, all because of one taxi forward. So yeah. she got signed to a deal and had the number one record that year. So we still yeah. do that stuff. We just like to talk about the, the film and TV stuff because there's yeah. just a lot no, more I, of it. But I, I really, really appreciate you having me and uh, looking forward to seeing you over at 52 Qs. Join us. Absolutely. I will absolutely do that. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen. Where's, where's my sheet? There we go. All right. This is Dave Croft from 52Qs.com, and I'm going to give out his phone number and his home address right now. Just kidding. And my high school um, mascot and favorite. That's right. Your mother's maiden name. All that stuff. Anyway, Dave, thank you so much for doing this. Really enjoyed it. It was a great chat, and uh, hope to see you soon, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.